do I believe him enough to act on his word? Because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God, and faith will always respond with obedience. This is All Things New with Pastor Barry E. Fields. Matthew chapter 21 and beginning in verse 28. What do you think? A man had two sons, and he went to the first and said, Son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But afterward he changed his mind and went. And he went to the other son and said the same. And he answered, I go, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said, the first. Jesus said to them, truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterwards change your minds and believe him. If you're to examine the parables, the parables of Christ, you're always looking to what is the meaning behind the story. Most of the time, a parable has one intended meaning. Sometimes it may have some, some hidden meanings and secondary meanings as well. But when you look at the example, Jesus will sometimes explain the parable. Sometimes he will just stop at the parable and leave people with it. And sometimes he will take the parable to another level and explain really what's going on behind the scenes. And in this instance, the question that Jesus is putting before us is, how would you describe the will of God? If someone were to ask you this morning, what is the will of God for your life? It's often a generic question, especially if you're younger, you ask this question a lot. What am I going to do with my life, with career, with family? Maybe you're in the middle of your life and you're wondering, what can I do in the future? Maybe you're getting towards the end and you're wondering how you can use those last years to honor the Lord with everything that you have. What is the will of God for my life? And sometimes people put this as this generic, out there sort of something or another where I'll, if I have a good feeling about it or if I have a peace about it, that's the will of God for your life. I think I can give you based on this text, a concrete definition that will help you. If you want to write this down, I'm going to repeat this a couple of times if it's helpful for you. The will of God is that we would believe on Him enough to act on His Word in every area of life. Let me repeat that. The will of God is that we would believe on Him enough to act on His Word in every area of life. Of life. And remember, Jesus has been talking about the importance of fruit, of being connected to the vineyard of God. And we're presented with a couple of different scenes that he tells in this parable. A father goes to his son and says, Go out and work in my vineyard. And the son says, I will not do it. He simply refuses to go. And we're left to infer some of the reasons why that might have been. But the first son denies the authority of his father. We know that today ours is an age of anti-authority. Have you ever met someone who regardless of what the question is, they already have the answer and the answer is no. Doesn't matter what they ask, you ask, they're always going to respond with no. Don't you love being around those kind of people? Maybe you're that kind of person. I don't know. Maybe we're all that kind of person on a given day. But usually people don't react that way in a vacuum. 
Usually there's a meaning. Usually there's a, a cause behind why they do what they do. Maybe this young man was in some of the teenage years and struggling to understand why his father made him do what he does. Some people react this way. My dad's always against me. Doesn't matter what I do. I can't please him. He's, he's always against me. Some people believe that about God. No matter what happens in your life, they are going to find a way to why God has made it more difficult for them than everybody else. And regardless of whether or not that's true, that's what they believe in their mind. So it becomes true for them. But you know what a true father is? A true father wants the best for you, even when you don't want what's best for yourself. And he won't always give you what you like. There are others who when they receive the call of God, they somehow believe that doing God's will will be second rate. And so if I do God's will, I'm going to miss out. If I do God's will, I'm going to have to give up. i just say something to you. The God in this Bible doesn't do second rate or second class. And if you have deceived yourself into somehow thinking that serving God is secondary, serving God is lesser, You've got to stop looking on the scale of the here and now, and you've got to start looking on the scale of all eternity. For this momentary life, this momentary affliction will not compare with the joy that will be revealed. And often we can fail to understand why it is that God asks us to do what he asks us to do. This is the case with the father to his son. The son maybe doesn't understand it. Maybe he doesn't want to do it. Maybe he doesn't realize why he's being asked to do it. But it's not so much the task that it is the obedience that we need to look to. I'm reminded the story of a farmer who was making his boys work all day out in the field to get more corn crop and the shares there and he was working them hard all the other boys were out playing doing other things and he wondered why he needed to do it his neighbor came up to him he said you know all the other boys get to play on the weekends they're having a, a good time why are you making your boys play you've got plenty of corn you don't need it he said I'm not raising corn I'm raising men and just maybe that affliction that you think that God has placed in your life that you can't get away from God has put there so that he can grow you, he can raise you to be a part of his family and to accomplish his will. I can imagine some of the things that they must have said about this kid. Most people must have thought he would never measure up. He was the kid in class who would never do what you asked him to do. He was that son who when he went to the dinner table and you asked him to do something, he said no. And yet this son at a later rate, goes and does exactly what the Father tells him to do. He says no, and then with his heart and with his mind and with his actions, he says yes. And the Father blesses him as a result for it. Sometimes the very thing that you resist may in fact be God's greatest working in you. God blesses him in this first scene. Well, the second scene, we're presented with a different scenario. The second son comes along. Maybe the father asked him around dinner time at the supper table, and the first son had said, no, he's run off. He said, I'm done with this whole thing. And maybe the dad had looked at him and said, what are you going to do? And the second son knew how to schmooze. He knew how to work the system. He said, not only will I go, but I will go, sir. He even knows how to use the, the right language. Don't you like somebody that says, yes, sir, yes, ma'am? This, this guy does it well. The Bible says he makes a promise that he doesn't keep. 
He says, I will do it. I will gladly do it. Father, thank you that you provided for us. Thank you for raising this vineyard. Thank you for allowing me to work in this vineyard. I know it will teach me to do great things and to be responsible growing up. I'm so glad to do it. And by the way, I'll, I'll turn out the light. I'll brush my teeth. I'll, I'll tuck everybody into bed. I will do whatever you ask me to do. He's got the cell. But he doesn't back it up. He thinks he knows what his father wants to hear. He promises the world and then gets distracted by that world. Jesus will tell us through John the Apostle, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So what are some things we can learn from the inferences of the actions of these two sons? Well, I think Jesus will play it out for us better. A couple of things come to mind in the Scripture. First of all, this is a lesson within a lesson, don't make a vow you don't intend to keep. Don't make a vow you don't intend to keep. Now listen, we live in a world where we know that talk is cheap. Promises made instead of being promises kept become promises easily broken. And when you say that you're a person of your word, you need to be able to keep your word. You need to be able to back that up. And honestly, it is better to undersell something and to over the deliver than to promise everything and to under-deliver. And that is especially true when it comes to the kingdom of God. This is what Proverbs tells us. It is better not to make a vow at all than to fail to keep one that you've made. And herein lies the problem of much of so-called Christianity. The idea that if I pray a prayer or I walk an aisle, I'm okay with God and whatever I do for the rest of my life, it's fine. But what we don't understand is that when we commit our hearts to God, we also commit our lives. We repent of our sins. We turn it all over to Jesus. And he owns us because we've been bought with a price. And whenever you begin to turn away from the God that you promised your life to, you're failing to keep the very vow that you made. We forget that sometimes. And so we have a number of people on church rolls and coming from vacation Bible school or coming from revival services and other things who are nowhere near the kingdom of God, but they think they're okay because they said some words. But the Spirit of God didn't change their lives. He tells us, don't make vows you don't intend to keep. But second, I want you to see this. Good intentions are never enough. We live in a world that is filled with good intentions. Everybody has good intentions. I'm sure his motives were good. His heart was right. The second son has good intentions, but good intentions won't get you into the kingdom of God. In fact, at another point, Jesus will say, why do you call me Lord, but you don't do the things I say? You've got no business calling me that if you're not honoring the very word that I command. That's why he will say, blessed is he who hears my word and does it. James will say, be doers of the word, not hearers only, because if you're only a hearer and not a doer, you are deceiving yourself. And are good intentions really good if they're not acted upon? See, there are a lot of people with good intentions who are going to split hell wide open one day. 
And the reason is because they thought as long as their heart was in the right place, that would be okay with God. And Jesus will say on the day of judgment, for those who said we did good works in your name, for those who said we honored you with our lips, depart from me. I never knew you, you who works iniquity. Because the vow that they made wasn't equal to the vow that they failed to keep. We see something in the Father. Here's what we love about the Lord. He is incredibly patient. This, sec, this first son, most people would have written him off and said he's done, but God doesn't do that. He waits around. He has an understanding of human nature that most of the time when we're asked to do something by the Lord, our initial instinct, our sin nature will be to rebel. It will be to turn away. It will be to think that we have it better than God does. That somehow if God just knew our circumstances and knew our life, he would do exactly what we'd do, which isn't true, but that's the way we rationalize it. But here we also see that God's patience runs out eventually. And at some point, when you're on the fence with Jesus, we have to believe. And then we have to act on our faith. That's why this first son, even though he initially rebelled, he's commended while the second son is not. And so you can say that you want God, you can say that you want him in your life, but when it comes down to it, if you're not willing to make the vow, if you're not willing to believe on him enough to act on his word, you may not know the very faith that you profess. So he tells us good intentions are not enough. He tells us not to make a vow we can't keep. And then I would say this, and this is the most ironic of all, is to expect the unexpected on God's roll call of faith. Isn't this a tragedy? The ones who have it all together, the very people that you think, man, one day that guy, that girl, they're going to make something of themselves because they know how to talk. They, they, know how to, they know how to say the right words. And then they end up throwing it all away because it's all hype. They're hearers, but they're not doers. And then on the other end, the one that you thought who would never amount to anything. The one that you wrote off a long time ago is the very one that God uses and the one with whom he is pleased. And dear friends, the kingdom of God is filled with both types of people. Those who talk, don't act, and those whose lives are a mess. But then they act. And Jesus will say, listen to this, verse 31, Truly I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. Now, it's always ironic that tax collectors and prostitutes are always clubbed together. If I'm a tax collector, I wouldn't appreciate that very much. But the tax collectors were known for bilking the New Testament area. They would charge up to four times the taxes and put it in their pocket. And so they were a special class of, of prostitutes. They were essentially prostituting the people out of what was rightfully theirs. But Jesus will say to the people who are the most despised in the ancient world, you know more than the religious establishment. You know more than the Pharisees, those who know the law backwards and forwards. You know more than the people who are in church. Man, isn't that something? The people who don't seem to have it all together are the very ones that God uses. And yet the scripture is filled with these kind of people. The centurion who said, just say the word, Lord, and I know he'll be healed as I go. And Jesus says, I haven't seen this kind of faith in Israel. What about Mary Magdalene, who when everybody else ran away, she ran towards 
the tomb of Christ? What about the woman who laid down at his feet with that alabaster ointment and poured it on him and washed his feet with her hair as a towel? Jesus says she knows more than you. About that widow, put a couple of pennies in the offering plate. She has given more than all of you because she's given everything she has. You remember the prayer of the tax collector and the Pharisee? They're set off against one another. And the Pharisee says, Lord, thank you. Here's what he says, Lord, thank you that I am not like him. <laughs> That's his prayer. Lord, thank you that compared to everybody else, I'm doing okay. I'm not like that guy. What does that tax collector pray? Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner. Who do you think gets into the kingdom of God? He says to the Pharisees, to those who are gathered around him, he says, and even when you saw it, John comes in the way of righteousness. So we're thinking of John the Baptist who prepares the way of the Lord, who says, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John came to you in the way of righteousness and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. Over and over that word believe is mentioned. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe him. The whole emphasis is you did not believe him. You did not believe him enough to act on his word. In every area of life, they saw the evidence. They had seen the facts. And it wasn't fake news. They were there for it. But the scripture reminds us that if they will not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they hear the one rise from the dead. Because ultimately what they have and what we have is not a head problem. It's a heart problem. The heart wants what it wants and apart from the Spirit of God it will not want the things of God. And the Bible says because we do not believe he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. But then he says he who believes in me shall have forgiveness, shall have life eternal, abundant. So where does that leave us today? Where's your life in comparison with the things of God? You may be here today and maybe you're that first son. Maybe initially you said no to the things of God. You thought you knew your own way and so you went out and sowed your seed and it wasn't good what you sowed. It was wild oats. But eventually you came back and the Spirit of God began to draw you so that now you say, I want to do His will. I want to follow Him. Can God use me? Oh, yes, He can. You're the only type of person He's ever used. Or maybe you're on the other end of this and you would say, you know, I, I've made some professions I've made some talk. I know how to get away with things in church because if I just answer God, Jesus, or Moses to any of these questions, I got a 50-50 chance of getting things right. I know how to do the church talk. I know how to say what my pastor wants to hear. I know how to say good sermon on the way out the door even though I didn't hear a word of it. I know how to say it. But does my life match up with what I've vowed? Do I believe him enough to act on His Word. Because faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, and faith will always respond with obedience. So this morning, if you haven't been obedient, if you don't have the desire to be obedient, you may be in the same position as this second son. 
You, you look good on the outside, but on the inside, you're whitewashed. You're full of dead men's bones. God forbid that on the day of judgment we would stand and see all the great and mighty works of the Lord, see Him working in the church, see Him working in the community, see Him working in other people's lives, but not see Him work in our lives because we failed to act on His Word. We failed to believe Him enough to act. God, help us to step out in faith. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening to the broadcast. If you found it helpful, please consider sharing it with your family and friends. For more information, check us out online at barryefields.com.